Now it's oh, working. Turn him down. Give me one second. Right. Well, we'll just mute Arlo. Hey, it's Panic Attack. Big John here, joined by my original tag team partner on the podcasting and internet talk show world, Doc. Find me on Twitter and Getter at the real underscore Big John. Doc, how's it going? I think I remember signing you up for Twitter back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you created my Twitter account, <laughs> and it took me a few years to figure out how to use it. But now I'm, I'm rolling. And, and then you've been you've been suspended a few times since then, huh? Yeah, a couple. Probably, well, I guess we're all getting ready to get, we're all about to get suspended because Elon Musk is uh, out of the deal. That was one of the big news stories today. Uh, that deal fell through, or he just said to hell with it. Man. Well, it was destined to fail from the beginning, and the reason is, um, as suspected by a lot of people that I follow, who are more in the know than I am, but who makes sense. And uh, Facebook is in the same situation. The fact of the matter is <clears throat> these social media platforms that carry a lot of sway, mostly because of the echo that it gets from uh, the mainstream media, it, are filled with phony, bogus, and duplicate accounts. Yes. And Rush Limbaugh talked about this a decade ago when he made some controversial statements and all of these companies that had accounts on Twitter were flooded with hits uh, about how we're not going to buy your product. You advertise on Rush Limbaugh or you advertise on a radio station that carries Rush Limbaugh. And they tried to decapitate him. I mean, Rush made some controversial statements. Um, and this isn't really talked about a lot, but Rush and his people uh, cracked the code. And he's like, folks, these are fake people. or this, These are fake accounts. Uh -huh. uh, these are... These are you know, international bots, domestic bots, uh, duplicate accounts. It's not real. If what you hear on Twitter is from like, uh, and what I mean is accounts that pop up that are 10 years old with three followers and 15 tweets uh, or, or account or accounts that have uh, are, are a day old, a month old. That's who's that, that those bot accounts drive the Twitter algorithm, which puts news in front of you, unless you have your account set in a certain way that can get past all of this. One way to crack uh -huh. that algorithm on Twitter to get news that you want to see is to create a bunch of lists with accounts that are specifically assigned, not things that you follow, but just lists that you make. That's what I do. I think I follow, you know, a very small number of people uh, officially, but I have 20 or 30 lists. Most of them are private. 
and they have yeah. 100 or 200 people on the list. Point of the matter is, Twitter is a publicly traded company. Right. And they have to be honest with their, with their shareholders. And so they have said that, yes, we do recognize we have a certain number of bogus or bot accounts, BOT. But the yeah. number that they have been using, people have suspected for a long time, is, is suppressed. And one of the reasons why people suspect that that number is suppressed, meaning they say 5% and it might be as high as 30 or 40 percent is because and Facebook is going through this. They are now subject to a class action lawsuit over uh, advertising impact. So they say you advertise and pay us a certain amount of money. You're going to get X amount of exposure because we have X amount of users. And here's your impressions and here's your analytics. Well, what they're not saying is, is 25 percent of that is bogus shit. It's not real people. Right. And. And, and, and uh, uh, magazines and uh, other subscription services and radio and TV all have to be very transparent. And I'm not an expert on the uh, ad world, but I do know they have to be very transparent in their uh, subscription and circul circulation numbers and their uh, legitimate, uh, you know, Nielsen ratings and things. Right. So they can properly price um, the advertising exposure that people who are paying for that advertising can expect. Social media is totally in the dark. They are not regulated at all in this regard. And right. that's why Facebook is under a class action suit. That's why Elon Musk paid $44 billion for a company that's probably worth a billion. And they wanted to get 80 out of them. I mean... <laughs> All these people that think this is, you know, Twitter's got leverage and this is great. Talk to me after the depositions. If Twitter wants to, Twitter's never going to sue Elon Musk, number one. Because if they do, they're going to be deposed and the, the fraud will be exposed. The fraud may be exposed either way because these people are answerable to the shareholders. And the shareholders you know, they're entitled to a profit. They're entitled to their interests being represented. And if they've been lied to or a good faith offer was presented to them and they rejected it or made it difficult for a close, they got a lot of problems. Yeah, this is, um, you know, <clears throat> what, I was just sit, sitting here thinking, well, man, damn, we're about to head into more censorship into the midterm elections and more suspensions and all that. Uh, obviously those things are rather obvious. Um, you know, Twitter and Facebook though, are town square. Uh, and, uh, this is where people tended for us to exchange ideas and fashion and, and so on, and you know, they've really both platforms have really cut down on the free and open discussion uh, in the name of you know political, not political correctness, but you know, anti-racism and all these anti-transphobia uh, and all this stuff. Uh, you can't say anything that might offend someone. 
Uh, or that I mean, goes for, against the cultural narrative. Yeah, there, that's a better way of saying it. I mean, Jordan Peterson, who's recognized as one of the smartest men, one of the great philosophers of the last 10 years, was just suspended from Twitter temporarily over some, you know, bullshit about, uh, what was it, uh, pronouns or something? Uh, it's it's just crazy. Uh, you can get suspended on Twitter for not calling uh, a, a, a famous trans person or somebody by their pronouns. And uh, I don't know the, the reporting process on Twitter, but evidently, uh, if you post the, the words uh, PIM tool, P-I-M-T-O-O-L-E, that's a death name for Tim Poole. And he was going, he said he was going to re report anyone that posted that. Uh, this is why Jordan Peterson got suspended, was he posted uh, uh, Ellen Page, who now insists on being called Elliot Page. And I guess Ellen Page is the death name of Elliot Page. So I tried to report somebody who was posting PIM tool and Twitter said, well, that's not against our guidelines. And I, I fired back the email. This is the death name of Tim pool. Why aren't you taking a death threat against Tim pool seriously? And they never got back to me, but you know, this is just crazy shit that's going on on social media. Uh, and the internet and all this. And I don't know where we're headed. Uh, more government. And uh, I don't know. I know the Democrats on Section 230 uh, when Elon was about to buy Twitter, they were ready to start regulating. Now they'll back off that. But Well, Twitter's a scam. I mean, at the end of the day, in my view, Twitter is a scam. Uh, this is a this is a, a platform that has basically become uh, the the nation's network news feed. You know, this is right. this is the modern day version of uh, Tom Brokaw, uh, Peter Jennings, Dan Rather, uh, Brinkley. The whole thing. This is where people go to check in. Um, and what they don't understand, and I do too, what they don't understand is um, how the platform can be manipulated. I mean, I, I'm talking about this isn't subscribing to the AP or Fox News or CNN or something and Twitter giving you different stories from those sources because it's on Twitter. This is people posting things and engagements and conversations that all of a sudden become popular that aren't necessarily true. I mean, after the Supreme Court's decision and Dodd, uh, Dobbs came down, the, kind, the misinformation that was flying around Twitter about what that decision was, agree with it or disagree with it, uh, it did not <laughs> ban abortion across this country. And the, and, the, and the claims that were being made by 
certain celebrities and blue check people on Twitter were just flat out false. Uh, and none of that was taken down. Yet, um, people who questioned the efficacy of, of masks during COVID or sought answers to concerns on vaccines or right. other things related were, were shut down. Not, I'm, not people who said don't do it, but just people who had legitimate questions or promoted certain things that would, would inspire questions as to what they're being told and other, <laughs> other evidence, they were being shut down. So the, the algorithm allegedly in a simple form is we restrict not topics or opinions, but discussions that would inspire, you know, negative action, uh, you know, violence, uh, you know, uh, bullying and things like that. That's what they, it's not the topic. It's not the opinion within a topic. It's how that opinion and how that topic is shared. And if they determine that it could inspire uh, some kind of, you know, societal ill or violent reaction, which at the end of the day, it means it's all a crock of shit. Pardon my French. I mean, it's censorship, what's going on. Um, it's very likely that we'll discover if Twitter ever sues Elon Musk that there uh, you know, are a ton of bot accounts more, you know, that, that are manipulated by a lot of different sources that I think people would be shocked to find out who's manipulating what is being said on Twitter, both public and private authorities. Um, uh, it, it's just a scam. It's an out, an out scam, and a lot of people are going to get hurt by this. Investors, pension funds that are wrapped up in this, and free speech in itself, which is why, in my view, uh, we probably should take a look at Section 230. You know, if you're going to be a censor and an editor uh, of content on your site, you should not be afforded the protections that Section 230 provides people because the intent behind that was, was to grow the internet, was to grow free speech, to protect free speech, not regulate it. Yeah, I, this, this whole uh, Twitter thing is, as Dave Chappelle put it, he doesn't care what people say on Twitter because Twitter is not a real effing place. And that's about where we are, right? You know, uh, I, I will jump. You know, uh, if I see something trending, I'll click on it and try to find the news, uh, you know, but I don't get my news from Twitter. And I think it would be nice if we could, you know, debate and discuss, uh, I don't know, Alyssa Milano or uh, <clears throat> the guy that played Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, or some of these people uh, that post a lot of political opinion. Uh, James Woods, you know, they took him off there for a while for being too opinionated. Let's have a discussion. Alex Berenson, John, Alex right. Berenson, he was off for a while and just got reinstated after he took legal action against him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really, really, really ridiculous. But and for those of people who don't know, Alex Berenson was or is a journalist who is not a right wing uh, nut. You know, he's not a deplorable like Big John and I. Uh, this right. is a liberal who, for the last two years, has not only questioned 
what we are being told in the popular space on COVID and the vaccines and the masks and the lockdown policies and others, but has done extensive research and gathered what we would call the receipts to back up, you know, his claims and his positions. Um, again, nobody holding a gun to anybody's head saying, you got to believe what Berenson says. He's putting it out there for a candid audience mm-hmm. in, in a way to make people think. And he was right. canceled. Well, uh, you know, m- uh, me, Milo Iannopoulos, uh, Papadopoulos, uh, Milo, somebody who's uh, openly gay but is Republican, and uh, he was the Grand Marshal of the first ever male pride parade or, or straight pride parade uh, as a joke. Obviously, that whole parade was a joke. Uh, yeah, he was banned from Twitter for saying things that didn't go with the narrative. Well, he's but, been banned, I think, from every known platform. He is I a controversial he, figure, and he does say some weird stuff. But, but I think the, he's but, in parlor, though. Well, is, there, is, is, there, is there a parlor? Is that still going on? Yeah, it's, it's barely used. It's less than getter. Um, but, hey, uh, switching gears slightly, James Kahn passed away yesterday. And today, uh, Sopranos actor Tony Sirico, Polly Walnuts died. Polly Walnuts passed away. Yeah, yeah. They're coming. I don't threes. know who James. I don't know who James Con is really, but I know who Polly Walnuts is. Yeah, James Con, the Godfather. Uh, that was his one of his big things. Uh, he was the uh, the the dad in Elf. Yeah, you're not going to believe this, but I've never. I'm. You're not going to believe this, but I've never seen The Godfather, any of them. I haven't either. I've tried to get into it, and I the first few minutes. But I guess once you get into them, they they suck you in. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, James Con is in a lot of different movies. Paul gone. Uh, man, it's scary. Um, you sent me this article. Uh, Vince McMahon's now in even deeper water. He's up to $12 million and four women in hush money and maybe some dudes too. <laughs> what in the hell? Uh, well, there's a Wall Street Journal piece. I don't know if that's what I sent you. But yeah. Yes, you're right. Um, uh, 12 uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated, longtime leader, agreed to pay more than $12 million over the past 16 years to suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity with, um, I guess, four, four women, according to this article. Uh, so I guess, you know, the first point I would make on this is, and I want to hear your take because you're an expert in the wrestling world, but number one, um, hush payments and NDAs are not illegal, especially right. people who are in the public space who may have engaged in an activity um, one way or another. You know, pay somebody some money to not talk about it. That that's called a contract. And uh, if you read this article, 
in the Wall Street Journal. It's laced with um, allegations that are then couched by, according to people familiar with the details, uh, some people said, these people said, according to people who are um, familiar with the deal. I mean, these are, you know, back in the day, you know, a story of this nature. uh, And let's put this in perspective. This isn't, you know, Vince McMahon is a serious character uh, in the, or serious person uh, in in entertainment. This is a billion dollar man who has put together one of the most successful entertainment corporations in the history of the world. Um, This is a billion dollar man, a billion dollar company uh, that has, you know, transcended multiple generations of his family in multiple different decades. A very, this is a very important public figure. And to run a story like this, I mean, $12 $12 million for a guy that's worth over a billion, at least his company is, and that's the key thing I'll get to in a second, uh, is, is, is chicken shit, to be perfectly honest with you. This is, this is you know, money you find in, in, the, in your couch, $12 million. If you're him. Uh, but the issue here, is, so that's number one. You know, NDAs are not illegal. Taking money to not talk about a relationship is not illegal. You can think whatever you want to think about it, but this happens all the time. Um, now, the problem that Vince McMahon has, and this is, you know, of course, then the second point is you have an article of this nature by a supposed uh, respectable uh, outlet, the Wall Street Journal, that doesn't cite anyone specific, doesn't cite uh, so that nobody, there's no names of, of sources, and it doesn't even cite the documents that they've reviewed. It just says documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. So, you, you know, you're basically left with the impression that they're probably talking to somebody's attorney at best. So, you know, take this for what it's worth. But where Vince is in trouble, potentially, and this is the buried lead in the whole thing is where it talks about the board. WWE's board is investigating Mr. McMahon's agreement with the former paralegal and a 2018 deal with a former wrestler. People familiar with the inquiry said. If that's true, that's where he's got problems. Now, what I would like to know from you, Big John, is who do you think these wrestlers are, these former female wrestlers, who do you think maybe even the male wrestlers are? Not there's anything wrong with that. Uh, John Laurinaitis, a relative of uh, a famous wrestler, is, 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 is roped into this. He's got allegations against him. And the reason I say it's important that the board is investigating, uh, it says here, uh, because this could be money. This could be company money. Okay, if it's if it's Vince's money, uh, his personal money that he's using to pay these people off, not to talk about what may or may not have happened in a back room or in his office. That's one thing. But Mm -hmm. if he's taking corporate money, a publicly traded company at sixty five dollars a share, 
relatively healthy, even though it's down a little bit. And he's not reporting that, or he's shifting funds around to cover something up. He's got a big effing problem. Pardon me. I don't want to get graphic here. That's that's stuff you go to jail for for a really long time. Yeah, so, you know, I was trying to go through the names of uh, female employees that got fired in 2005. And there was one that came to mind who's kind of a a little known wrestler. She came from the the ECW. She's not a wrestler. She's like a manager or valet. Uh, but her name was Dawn Marie, and she got pregnant. And nobody really knows who the dad was. But uh, Stephanie told her, "Hey, we're family. You'll have a job when you come back." Weeks later, she was released. Now, did she come back in 2000? Hey, look, pony up in 2005. Uh, you know, least back in that time frame was uh, Christy Hemi, who was supposedly released for uh, a f- wanting to have. Tista and also Triple H, Stephanie McMahon's husband, uh, on a tour. And they threw her under the bus and said she was the one going after the guys. But everyone else has kind of said, no, it was the guys chasing after her. So uh, that could be another one, Christy Hemi who went on to do big things in other wrestling companies and was pretty big in WWE. Uh, She won their first ever diva search and then uh, said, you know, I want to learn to wrestle. And she actually became fairly decent at it. Um, But for the WWE right now, you know, there's constant rumors of when is Vince. Those are, those are tier two names, John. I'm thinking like, wasn't there some rumors about, Stacy Keebler about Trish Stratus about um, China. Well, China was always with Triple H until Stephanie came into the picture. Um, Trish Stratus and Vince had an on-air affair, and yeah, there was rumors that there was more to it than just on the air. Um, trying to think of some A-listers. From that time, Stacy Keebler, I mean, she's dated like half of Hollywood now. <laughs> she was with George Clooney and some other big names. Um, and, you know, it's be a bad time to draw a blank. But you look at the uh, female talent roster, it wasn't very respected. There wasn't a lot of uh, television time given to the women. So I could totally see some of these women being coerced into – doing things maybe they didn't want to do in in order to get a spot or to get a bigger paycheck. Well, Uh, unlike today where the women are, you know, have skill. I'm not saying those women didn't have skill back then, but they weren't primed for their skill. It was, it was TNA. I mean, it was uh, bras and panty matches. That's all women's wrestling was for a couple decades until, you know, relatively recently where, you know, they were women 
were actually, you know, showcased for their skill. Yeah, yeah, the, definitely the talent level and the uh, the skill set's gotten much better in the last 10, 5, 10 years. Um, so, so the idea, though, that Vince could be taking advantage of women uh, in that TNA era uh, where they weren't really out there for their wrestling ability, not that they didn't have wrestling ability, but that's not what they were showcasing, yeah, could make it, a lot of sense. So, so Definitely. You know, these, yeah, I mean – it, it was just FaceTime. You know, you weren't winning belts. You know, there was no women's tag right. champion at that time or whatever. Right. Really a I mean, it was, you know, the match seconds or long at the most, uh, you know, from and beginning you to, to see end. a little bit of nip. Yeah, that was about it. Um Vince down finally. Um, you know, the, the uh, government... Is he getting get a divorce? Is that where this is coming from? Well, it could be coming from his wife's attorneys. It's got to be somebody on the board that has inside knowledge because none of this has ever come out publicly and it's not the women that were paid off, obviously. They're not coming forward with this stuff. This is coming from somewhere internal. That's where it gets juicy. All right. So here's where it also gets juicy. So let's pair in what we're hearing or what we're reading at the Wall Street Journal where it says people familiar with, people who have seen, you know, whatever, not the, the people who have been paying the money. So it's either internal sources. It's either attorneys. It could be just plain gossip, though it is the Wall Street Journal. But here's the other thing is, and maybe you've done some research into this. There's some allegations, not that there's anything wrong with this, that Vince was actually trying, it wasn't just women, let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't heard that about Vince. I know there was the late Pat Patterson who was openly uh, gay and there was a scandal with him and uh, different male wrestlers. And there was always the rumor that Shawn Michaels got his spot by having sex with a, a top executive in the company. Now, I thought it was Pat Patterson. Maybe it was Vince. Now, obviously, Shawn Michaels isn't someone who got hush money. He's still uh, involved in the company behind the scenes and stuff, but uh, I wonder who the guys were, man. Who, so do you, well, here's the question for you. You know, it wasn't Hulk Hogan, you know, wasn't well, any... I've heard, I've heard some things about the Hulkster. Okay. But here's, here's the question. Here's the, here's the question for you as the expert. Do you think there's anything to it? I don't think so. I just, I don't think Vince is, is gay. I mean, you know, uh, or bisexual or anything like that. Uh, I can't see that being true. You know, maybe other people in the company that were uh, in charge. Yeah, that definitely happened between Pat Patterson and male wrestlers, but Pat's been dead for a few years. Uh, you know, but then again, maybe Vince was protecting Pat and paid somebody off to protect Pat Patterson. Um, that could be, you know, 
Um, so, <coughs> well, it's clear here to me that the issue isn't. I mean, clearly that Vince has some problems with his family, uh, at least his wife. Uh, he's got a lot of people that are probably hunting, head hunting for him, because uh, he's you know probably pissed off a lot of people. But to me, the issue isn't the NDAs or how much money the NDAs were, or even what he did. You know, legally speaking, for me, the the issue is, did he defraud his company by misusing company funds inappropriately uh, to pay for the for these NDAs? If that's the case, he's got some serious problems. I mean, I'm talking serious problems. I mean, I'd I'd rather not pay my taxes than defraud investors. Yeah, that one will get you in a lot of trouble with the the stock exchange commission uh, and stuff like that. That's that's big time. Uh, And twelve million dollars. Now you're really getting in there. We know the. First girl uh, that we heard of, she was paid out of Vince's pocket, and it was uh, an agreement to, I think it was like a million dollars up front, and then two million dollars over the next three or four years. Uh, but that was Vince's personal money, and he stepped back as CEO and let his daughter be the CEO, which has kind of been the <clears throat> the trajectory a lot of people hope the company was on anyway. Uh, but also, you know, there's constantly been rumored that the, the company may be for sale and there may be uh, people wanting to sell the company and get, get out. Maybe some people want to drive down the price of the company before they buy it. Uh, all kinds of things that could be going on here behind the scenes with whoever's leaking this information out. You know. Well, speaking of the company, I mean, this is in that article I sent you. Um, WWE revenue includes a five-year exclusive agreement with NBC Universal's Peacock streaming platform which for full disclosure i subscribe to and i watch a lot of wrestling on it and you mm-hmm. do too yeah um uh that deal was struck in 2021 and valued at one billion that's right b one billion dollars you know think of austin powers and put your little pinky to your mouth one billion dollars i mean this is big mm-hmm. money yeah all right so the company also has TV licensing agreements with Fox Core and NBC Universal, and recently secured its first standalone international distribution deal with Disney Plus Hotstar in Indonesia. So, I mean, you say what you want about wrestling and who you think watches it and the caliber of people that watches it. This is a multi billion dollar operation here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. Crowds they, they get in India. They have a multi-dollar, multi-year deal with the Kingdom of Saudi, and they're a big part of Saudi Arabia's the West. 
they actually not only have been letting women wrestle, uh, they're covered from head to toe, but uh, they've been letting women wrestle. And for the first time, women were used as advertising on the billboards for the, the wrestling show in Saudi Arabia last year. Uh, I think they got another one coming up. It's usually in the fall where it's not quite as sweltering in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but, you know, the WWE is huge. And, I mean, I, I'll, you say what you want about Saudi Arabia. It's so cool to see these kids get so excited for wrestling. I mean, it's like when me and you were kids and, and you know, we had to go to our first wrestling show. These kids, are it's the same way. So, you know, it's a good ambassadorship. And it, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is using the WWE like an ambassador. It's the center of their uh, – they have like a week-long celebration, and WWE is the center of it, you know, because whoever the prince or king over there is was a wrestling fan. <laughs> so it, it's nuts. The, the level that this company that is kind of the, the dirty – stepchild of the entertainment business in America, it's, it's worth more than a lot of sports teams combined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's the CEO uh, being, you know, like a, a, what a, what, I guess this is what rich guys do. I mean, well, you know, I mean, if you're, if you own the new England Patriots, you allegedly go to massage <laughs> parlors in Tampa, Florida and, and have somebody stick their thumb in your butthole. Right. <laughs> These guys, apparently, if you if, if you own sports franchises and have a lot of money, um, you, you get you get coerced into some crazy stuff and or, oh. or at least a different lifestyle. I mean, I don't think it was any secret that, you know, Vince even admitted years ago that he was unfaithful to his wife, who, by all accounts, is a smart lady. Uh, almost became a United States senator. She ran for Senate a couple times, for crying out loud. Yeah, I think she was even in Trump's administration at some degree. Yeah, she was the small business secretary for Trump for uh, maybe the whole time. She might have been the only cabinet member to last the whole administration. Yeah, right. She, um, knows how to ha- she knows how to handle it. Uh, handle yeah. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Uh, speaking politically, uh, did you see the Supreme Court has agreed to take up gerrymandering uh, in the uh, somebody versus the state of North. That one? Well, yeah. And, and so it's coming in October. Yeah. Well, as we, as we talk about the issue generally, I'll try to search for the case specifically, but as I recall, well, um, the the whole deal here is who has a right to determine these issues, and what I mean by these issues is districts and election law and all of that stuff. Is it, in fact, as many people say, it is that the state legislatures uh, are the ultimate authority, uh, or is it a you know can a federal court come in or a governor or a uh, federal, you know, can Congress come in and weigh in on how things should be? This is actually a big deal. Yeah, this uh, is going to be huge. 
This could be a huge deal, especially if the court says that the state legislator legislatures have the ultimate, you know, not just ultimate authority, but plenary authority, which means the the sole responsibility as determined by the Constitution, meaning they can't even delegate it. Uh, the Constitution gave them the power and they have to wield it uh, in one way or another. Yeah, see, this is, I thought, like you said, uh, we've talked before about this with the 2020 election and all of the governors and uh, state uh, secretaries of state, pardon me, and attorney generals changing uh, how elections were run in the state. And I thought we made it pretty clear that this was constitutionally delegated to the state legislatures. And I think we're going to have another big victory for the Constitution when the Supreme Court rules on this. Now, I'm a little unfamiliar with the Supreme Court. Uh, they're taking it up in October, but the decision probably won't be made for a few months or unless it's leaked again. Right. Uh, I don't think this is going to affect the 2022. It definitely won't affect the 2022s, uh, but it could affect the districting in 2024. It could affect how the presidential election is run in 2024. Right. And, you know, say what you want. Uh, some strange things happened in 2020. Laws yeah. were to the last minute. Uh, what counts, what, which votes can be counted if somebody didn't have ID along with their mail-in ballot and if a signature was not available or didn't match up, that vote, that mail-in ballot was still counted. Uh, I'm actually waiting and itching to see Dinesh D'Souza's latest thing, 2,000 Mules. Uh, and I think some people are being prosecuted now from what was found out by that research. Yeah, and we'll get it. No, I, I got something, but I just want to say uh, to what you just said, you know, on election integrity in 2020. Uh, you know, the first thing when we talk about this because there's some mental midgets out there that just get triggered. Joe Biden's a president of the United States. He was inaugurated on January 20th at high noon or even a little before. And there's nothing that anyone can do about that through any kind of election integrity thing at a state level or a federal level that he's, he's the president. Okay. Now, whether or not you feel that he won a legitimate election is, is another story, but there's nothing that anybody can do uh, under law and order peacefully um, to change that fact. Whether yeah, or not you yeah, agree that he got 81 million votes or not. I mean, he's the president. This dude is entitled to the benefits and respect of an individual who is the occupant of the office. Okay. It's just, that's it. Right. Um, now with that said, this was a very unique election. 
in 2020 uh, for a lot of different reasons. Above and beyond fraud, for example, um, you know, it was an election conducted under COVID, you know, where people are afraid to go anywhere or breathe on anyone, breathe on themselves. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a tough time for a lot of people. And what happened was in several states that just so happened to be um, uh, swing states or competitive states, the things changed. The, mm. the normal course of business changed. And so this isn't a question of fraud, you know, in, in the sense that a ballot box was stuffed or a bunch of dead people voted or, you know, whatever. The machines, I think there was some people going around, the pillow guy was going around talking about how, you know, the machines <laughs> came alive in a, some kind of artificial intelligence way and changed votes or whatever. The, the aliens came down and changed the votes, I think he said. Right. You know, whatever this guy's on, you know, I don't personally like machines, I, but, you know, I don't think what he's talking about is plausible or happened. The question is, what makes a ballot illegal? Right. So this is just a fundamental thing because you don't ha- this is this is a thing is the media is so irresponsible. You don't have to have fraud, right? Right. What makes this ballot illegal? If a ballot doesn't comply with the law, who voted, how they voted, and how the vote was processed. Right. Here's a little newsflash. It's illegal, period. End of story. You don't need fraud. Let me say this again for the people at the far left things, uh, Mediaite and other places that want to make fools out of, you know, deplorable podcasts like this. What this is backed up election law. I'm not making this up. What makes a ballot illegal? If a ballot doesn't comply with law, who voted? how they voted, and how the vote was processed. It's illegal. So are they illegal ballots? The fact someone else delivers the ballot proves it. That's another case. Who voted, how they voted, how it was processed could make it illegal. Did someone else take the ballot and drop it off somewhere? The chain of custody is impaired when you mass send these ballots out as well. And that's never happened. But yet it happened in 2020. And it happened in some states where they legitimately changed the law. Specifically thinking of Nevada, where they legitimately changed the law to say we're now going to have universal mail ballot, which they do in California. But that still doesn't change the fact that there are other issues when you do that, especially in states never done it before that rushed to do it at the last minute for whatever reason. And it caused problems. And it caused ballots to be cast in an illegal way and counted and processed in an illegal way, which makes it illegal. Even if a legitimate voter marked the ballot 
if the ballot itself was cast and counted in an illegal way, it's illegal. There's a lot of people that don't understand this. And I think Trump and his people in 2020 did themselves a disservice by immediately going out there with these claims of fraud and, you know, just disjointed messages. And this is, this is the, the actual legal case that some smart people, not me, were trying to make that made sense to me, which is why I say in any setting that I'm in, I got questions about what happened in 2020, serious ones that I think, you know, when, when you put two and two together um, and as close as it was in several different states and the way things happen, you know, it is what it is. But so let's put that aside for a minute. Biden's the president. He's going to be the president until, you know, God willing, no more than, January 20th, 2025. This whole issue that Big John brought up about then, like kind of who really is ultimately responsible for all of this is, right. is, under, is under the Moore v. Harper North Carolina Supreme Court case eventually, you know, ultimately that you talked to called the independent state legislature theory. And that Supreme Court case in North Carolina, Moore v. Harper, concluded that the state legislature engaged in partisan gerrymandering, which violated the North Carolina Constitution when 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 it redrew the state's congressional and state legislative lines. And it ordered the legislature to redraw the maps. Okay, so that's that's part one in this. This Moore v. Harper litigants, North Carolina Supreme Court made a decision. The U.S. Supreme Court then agreed to decide based off of the appeal of this case up to them whether the U.S. Constitution's elections clause prevents the North Carolina Supreme Court from ordering the North Carolina legislature to redraw the congressional districts. That's that's pretty key here. Similar to what we had here in Ohio. Well, yeah. I, I think, at least on the surface. So following the 2020 census in the Tar Heel State, the legislature uh, redistrict like everybody else did. Um, some folks sued in state court claiming that the congressional districts violated the state constitution due to excessive partisan advantage. So they gerrymandered the lines to give a disproportionate advantage to Republicans because that's who controls the legislature in North Carolina. These folks submitted testimony that the maps were more favorable to Republicans than at least uh, 99% of comparison maps, and the trial court ruled in their favor. So that's the beginning stages. Three experts testified uh, on behalf of uh, the 
North the state's current legislative leaders, the trial court didn't adopt any of their findings as its own. The North Carolina Supreme Court agreed with the trial court that the state legislature engaged in excessive partisan gerrymandering. A lot of people say gerrymandering, but it's gerrymandering. Violating, because it's named after former governor of Massachusetts, Elbridge Gary. So that's just a little particular point of mine. Um, that the legislature engaged in excessive partisan gerrymandering, violating numerous provisions of the state's constitutions. One of those is the state's clause of free elections. All elections shall be free. So the U.S. Constitution says that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators, representatives to Congress, shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations. So in this case that we're talking about here, North Carolina's current legislative leaders argue that the times, places, and manner clause forbids state courts from reviewing a congressional districting plan that violates the state's own constitution. This is called the independent state legislature theory. The North Carolina Supreme Court rejected the argument, stating that it is inconsistent with nearly a century of precedent of the Supreme Court of the United States, affirmed as recently as 2015, and also repugnant to the sovereignty of the states, sovereignty of states, uh, the authority of state constitutions, and the independence of state courts, and would produce absurd and, quote, dangerous consequences. Uh, the Supreme Court then more specifically noted uh, a couple of cases here in the Supreme Court where they held partisan gerrymandering cases can't be brought under the U.S. Constitution uh, because state constitutions can provide standards and guidance for state courts to apply in a case addressing the justiciability of partisan gerrymandering claims in congressional plans, meaning that the, the state constitution set this up. So uh, the majority of the Supreme Court has not uh, adopted the independent state legislature, legislature theory to date. But that's the question the court is going to have to answer is whether basically, you know, I know I went off on a thing here, but I think it's valuable background. Um, basically, this whole thing is going to come down that the Supreme Court isn't deciding maps. It's basically saying who gets who gets the ultimate authority on this? Can a state Supreme Court tell a legislature what to do when it comes to maps or even a federal court. And so this is going to be a this is going to have a lot of rippling effects not only when it comes to maps but law on elections. Who's ultimately responsible for administering elections in this country? Um, and that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I, I, well I definitely feel that the power needs to lie with the people's 
House of the Legislature, and legislatures have accountability. Uh, where if you don't like the way your legis your representative voted to draw a district line or whatever, you can vote them out. Supreme courts here here in Ohio, our Supreme Court is elected, uh, but who know? You don't know. No, the average person doesn't know how they're deciding that. This, though, I think needs to stay in the people and the legislature need to draw. They need to decide how state elections will be run and all of those things. This, this cannot be a court order uh, situation. I mean, unless it's the Supreme Court, but, you know, th this is serious. You know, the Democrats want to fight everything in frickin court now. And this this can't just can't be. We've got to have, you know, rule of law. And the law comes from the people to the legislatures and the legislatures do what we tell them. Not the courts. The courts don't tell us what the laws are and legislating from the bench and all that shit. So right. I don't know. How, what do you think about it? Well, you think I mean, at, the end of the day, legislatures? at the end of the day, the question here is, um, does the U.S. Constitution's election clause, which states times, places, and manner clause, um, that the that the legislature determines these things in ter in terms of congre federal stuff, right? This isn't the Supreme Court saying can the state courts weigh in on state issues. Um, I think it's more. I believe. I mean, I know that Moore v. Harper dealt with the state's congressional state house and state senate maps but i think the supreme court has agreed to decide whether the u.s constitution's election clause prevents the north carolina supreme court from ordering the north carolina legislature to redraw the congressional district so let's just i believe if i'm reading this correctly it's even more the question here is even more fine-tuned and focused this is about the state Supreme Court telling the legislature to redraw the congressional uh, district. Decisions today, we have one and that has just been released. The legislature is this saying, is the case. hey, we've got this provision in the United States Constitution um, about times, places, and manner. And right. we set that. Now, the Congress can regulate certain things about that, but we set it. And so in my view, if it comes to congressional districts, to me, it's clear that the state legislatures are 
empowered to make this decision and the courts should be generally restrained in how they alter that. And I, I would say they should be generally that partisanship and composition shouldn't necessarily be at the top of the list. But what could be is racial stuff. You know, are you trying to marginalize a population? Maybe that becomes a federal issue because of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Um, so we'll see what the Supreme Court eventually sides with. But I guess that would be my opinion. And of course, on state House races and state Senate seats, that's, that's another topic. You know, that's another, that's another podcast or maybe another court case. Um, but that, I guess that's where I fall on it. I mean, um, we, what we, what we can't have happen is what's happening in Ohio. And that's where you've got a rogue Supreme court as specifically a rogue justice on the Supreme court, uh, the chief justice at that, that's caused mass confusion and chaos and courts are left to try to make sense of it when they're really not capable of it. it it's, you know, at some point a judge has to say, I can't fix this, even if I disagree with it. And you made the point, win an election. If you don't like how the districts are drawn, win an election. Hell, I would even argue that this is such a, a, a direct power of the state legislatures that these independent commissions that are formed in some states across the country are unconstitutional because you can't delegate a power that's specifically given to you. You've got to exercise it. You know, you can't give it to somebody else. Can't, you know, kick the can. But to your point, you know, if you don't like the way that a certain state is drawing maps, then in Ohio, for example, elect a different governor, elect, right. elect, <laughs> Elect a different secretary of state, elect a different state auditor, you know, uh, vote for people of another party to control the legislature. And so, you know, the people went to the ballot in 2020 and voted for people knowing at least, you know, potentially knowing or at least it was out there that that vote could impact this issue. And had they voted for a couple of Democrats in certain areas, then things would have been different. But they didn't. Well, I think we can we've wrapped that up. You want to tell people where they can find you on the social media until you get banned by Twitter, at least. <laughs> right. You, you can find me here on Big John's podcast when he's kind enough to let me come on. Which will be more often. It's up to it's up to Big John, uh, but yeah, I enjoy coming on here, and, and we can keep going if you want. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've got an early morning tomorrow, so I'm gonna wrap. Oh. Okay, well, well, we'll save it for another time. Yeah, yeah we'll do this again in a night or two. Good night. God bless everyone, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>